it going, Dig Day? Guys, back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, Tuesday, October 20th. It is the first day of the World Series. It's the first uh, podcast of the week after a big weekend of football. I'm joined once again by Ben Gorowitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. How's it going, everybody? Glad to be on again. Hey, we're glad to have you back on again, Ben. You know, I wanted to podcast yesterday, but not going to lie, the morale was very low around here after our Braves getting uh, knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, ben, what do you? how do you feel about how the season played out and what's going to play out going forward for the Braves? I think they, you know, they lived up, if not exceeded, for what I thought that they could do um, all season long. I, you know, I, I always thought the Braves were the second best team in the National League behind the Dodgers. And, you know, I, I think it's obvious that there was a gap between payroll, between talent, lineup, mm-hmm. um, you know, everything in between. You know, going into the series, I was telling a lot of people, if they can get it, I knew the Braves would not just win one game. I knew they would win one, and I knew that they would have chances to get more than one. And they started out up 2-0, and then they eventually were up 3-1 in the series. And they had three games, because it went to a game seven, to get one victory, and just cracked under the pressure. I mean, the Dodgers, got to give them credit. Winning three in a row in any sport is very, very difficult. No matter, It doesn't matter if you're the more talented team or not. And I just want to say this about the Dodgers. I have never seen a lineup one through nine be able to foul off that many pitches and crush every mistake thrown at them. And there weren't that many mistakes. Yeah. You know, in game in game in game seven, um, you know, Ian Anderson did his job. He came out of the game. It was two to two. That's that's a tie score. You might as well call it zero zero. He did his job. Braves got him. Uh, Braves got the bullpen a little bit of lead after that, and couldn't couldn't hold it. Um, you know, they really only made a couple mistakes in that in that game. One of them just happened to be that pitch um, Chris Martin threw to Bellinger that you know was hit to the moon. And I said the three I said the three key um, factors for the Braves to win was you got to limit walks. I thought they did that pretty well, um, and that you got to uh, uh, the biggest one was. You have to finish pitcher-friendly counts. So that's 0-2, 1-2. Mm-hmm. But the Braves did a horrendous job throughout the series, specifically specifically in Game 7 of doing that. They just had way too many times where they were 0-2, got it, and the Dodgers got it to 3-2. you got to put those hitters away because as soon as one of those guys gets on, you know, blink of an eye, here comes a two-run homer. So credit the Dodgers. Their lineup is incredible. They did. I thought they did a really good job of managing their pitching because I don't really think their starting pitching is anything that's scary. Um, thought Dustin May did his job, so all props to them, and I think it's going to be a great series with them and the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said, especially with the discrepancies in the payroll and especially with how disciplined they were at the plate. It felt like you couldn't make a single mistake as a pitcher or else they were going to take it 350 plus feet for what am I saying 450 plus feet in the stands you know every single time but I was proud of the Braves and the way they battled you know this wasn't necessarily our year we had some tough luck too with Duvall going down I thought Marquegas looked pretty lost out there but we really had no choice at that point but to play him without Duvall but I'm not going to sit here and blame us losing the series on Duvall at the end of the day I'm proud of the way the Braves battled I mean 
They, t- I said the Braves, and I said it's going to go six or seven, and I thought the Braves were going to have a good chance at winning, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, it played up to my expectations. But like I said, all season long, I picked the Dodgers to win the World Series, and I couldn't be a homer. I had to stick with my prediction of the Dodgers to win it all. So it's looking like that's what it might come down to here. But, you know, I'm proud of the way the Braves battled, but we have some big-time question marks. Well, we did actually have some good news today. Soroka, it was already it was already recovering quick and looks like he should be ready to go early next season, which is big-time. But the Braves absolutely have to pay Marcelo Zuna. You know, he had an opportunity to win the Triple Crown this year for the NL, which you don't see a lot of times. And, I mean, the guy was a staple in our lineup. When you threw him in there and you had I mean, Ozuna, Freddie, and Acuna was murderer's row, then you throw in Darno. I mean, the Braves have probably one of the best lineups I've seen them have can only keep getting better with especially adding Pache's defense and I mean he didn't even look too scared I mean the moment didn't look too big for him either in a way it's kind of like Andrew Jones he kind of did a similar thing where he burst on the scene right in the playoffs and you know I thought Pache obviously didn't have the same numbers Andrew did but he was very similar in that sense so you know I liked what I saw from the Braves and we're just getting started guys there's no need to be disappointed about the way the season ended it was a great season and plus two I love seeing the comments all the guys had like Melanson Ozuna all the guys are posting these big long things thanking the fans and everything on on a uh, Twitter and Instagram and they're saying how awesome we made it so we did a great job as a fan base guys and let's get there and support this team next year because they're gonna do something special soon yeah um, they're, they're gonna have some interesting um, offseason moves like you said um, I so I think first things first is you have to take care of your best player. Um, Freddie Freeman deserves a contract extension. I don't know if he has one more year on his contract or if it is up. I think he's got one more year, but um, he deserves to get that contract. I I think it'll be something around what Goldschmidt is being uh, when he got that um, payday from the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I think it was five years, around one hundred and thirty million, something around there. Um, which is about, I think he's making around that right now. So first things first, you take care of your franchise player. Um, <clears throat> second is, is without a doubt, like you said, I think Azuna earned a payday. Um, I heard uh, Alex Anthopoulos, AA, the general manager, talk about some of the things he's going to be looking at. You know, he's going to keep age into consideration. He's got to keep what his other front office members, um, their opinions, they're, and they're going to try and get it done. And you know, I, with the Donaldson thing, you know, what, what AA did, and I, I don't mind it. He gave Donaldson an offer, which the Braves thought was fair. Donaldson and his uh, camp, his agent, rebuttaled with an offer. And AA said, my price point's not moving. We think you're worth this to our football team. You take this deal or you can go somewhere else. He went somewhere else and it worked out, uh, not in his favor, but it worked out for the Braves' favor. He barely played this year. I think... You know, as the months go on, the Braves will have a number in mind for what they see is valuable for what Ozuna can give them in return. Mm-hmm. And if AA doesn't want to get into a negotiation with it, the Braves fans have zero reason to not trust him. I mean, look at the past offseason one year deals that he's brought in, they've worked. So that's what he's known for. Um, I have full confidence in him. I would prefer to have Ozuna back, but we'll see. Um, I think. You, I think the Braves should look at adding another pitcher. Um, Absolutely. I think the young guys, I'm so proud of them, what they showed, how they battled with Kyle Wright, has struggled for most of his young career. Um, and in the postseason, he really came to play. Bryce Wilson was an absolute dog. Um, we'll see if he can keep that going next year. Then Ian Anderson, we'll see if he can build on it. I think Freed is 
he's solid in his ground and you're you know what you're going to get from him um hopefully Soroka can bounce back and get healthy from the Achilles and get back to what he did and I'd love to add a pitcher so whether that's Trevor Bauer you know I don't really care who it is I, I think they need one more pitcher um and I, I trust AA to get it done yeah, no, I'm with you on that one, and we're gonna have that Cole Hamels money, which I believe is twelve million dollars coming off the books. So that's gonna be nice to have that back once again. But the Dodgers did take us down in the World Series, and the World Series is now between both number one seeds, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Who are you picking to win this series, and why, Ben? Yeah, so this is uh, one of the biggest payrolls in baseball versus a small market team that has mm-hmm. a ton of homegrown talent. Um, mix it with a couple trades. I think the pitching absolutely favors the Rays. I don't. I really don't think it's close. Um, game agree. one tonight is going to be Glass now, which has been the best pitcher. Uh, excuse me, second best pitcher for the Rays so far behind Charlie Morton and Clayton Kershaw, who's had a great start against Milwaukee and then not so great start against Atlanta. So they both should be rested. Uh, I believe they both pitched the same day. I believe they both pitched game four of their respective series. Um, I think the lineup uh, favors the Dodgers because um, the experience that they bring in. I think the Mookie difference, uh, which they have him for another 12 years, is going to pay off. He's a guy that's been in World Series. He's a big-time player. And also the addition, I think, is the biggest one, to be honest with you, the addition um, to have Corey Seager back. He had Tommy John last year. That dude's mm-hmm. stud at the plate just one. Uh, NLCS MVP and he deserved it um, good fielder leader at the shortstop position and a very good hitter uh, very good hitter that bat second so I think the Dodgers lineup favors them the Rays though have a bullpen that has rarely been touched I know the Astros got to him a little bit I think in two of the games but the Rays have a stable a staple of guys that can throw 98 plus yep. and come right at you they're not afraid to use that fastball and they throw a lot of strikes um I, I favor the Dodgers in the series because of experience. Uh, I do think that matters. And I think when you add a second MVP like Mookie Betts, I think you'll see the Mookie difference. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I say six. I wouldn't be shocked if they went seven. Look, the Rays are no slouch to be looked over, but I think it's all about the Dodgers here. My reason being is, look, the Dodgers felt the most wronged by the Astros of any team in all of baseball, probably them and the Yankees. The Dodgers have been playing all season like, we were this good, we should have had this ring, we need to go out here and get this ring. You know, it's a shortened season, so they're going to have Kershaw and Bueller and all their big arms on the shortest rest possible. I just feel like everything this entire season played to the Dodgers' advantage. And, I mean, they have the best winning percentage in MLB history this season, just by percentage, obviously not by wins, but... Look, I think this Dodgers team, they already got the hardest part done getting back here. You know, if they didn't make it this far, you'd be talking about Dave Martinez getting getting um, sent, sent out of the team. You'd be talking about lots of changes with players and personnel on this team. You know, huge changes if you can't get there with those lineup and the payroll they have. They got that part done, and now they're here. And if anything, they were down three games to one, and like I said, I thought all the pressure was on them. And, I mean, they look cool, calm, and collected, and basically like, all the pressure was on us instead. I think that tells me Dodgers are going to be able to get it done here in this World Series. I mean, they're going to probably be able to throw Kershaw twice as well, which goes very heavily in their favor. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I got the Dodgers in six or seven, and you know you said it best, Ben. Bringing in Mookie Betts and getting Seager back were huge. You know they're gonna have some offseason questions, like if they're gonna be able to pay Seager, but I think they'll worry about those later. It's here and now for the Dodgers, and 
I think they're going to come out here and just be able to get it done. You know, like you said, there's no easy outs in that lineup. You got to come in there and throw your best pitches. You make one mistake and you're not going to see that ball again. The Rays, though, do have some great fielding. Like Kevin Kiermeyer covers so much ground out there in center field. It's really hard to get balls in the gap against them. You know, Rosarina has been able to carry him. J-Man Choi, whenever he's in the lineup and he can he can swing that bat. I like this race team. I like the way they do it. You know, they're a very big analytical team, but ultimately talent always always comes over the great team. We saw the Mookie difference um, more defensively in the NLCS against the Braves. I think Mookie robbed, definitely robbed Freddie Freeman's home run. I'm not sure if Ozuna's would have gone out, but uh, caught it up against the wall. Then he made the catch coming in on it. Um, that ended up uh, throwing the ball home. So the Mookie difference was on full display. Um, the Dodgers, I, I do think, are going to need him to get on base a little bit more against the Rays because he can just wreak havoc when he's on the base. He's a tremendous base runner, elite speed. And if you just look up and down that lineup, I mean, Seager is second, just an absolute stud, NLCS MVP. Justin Turner I believe he's got the most RBIs in Dodger postseason history. A lot of that has to do with him being there for a long time, the Dodgers being in it. That's a tough out to get, and the lineup doesn't get any easier. One through nine, it's just it's a gauntlet to get through. I think the Rays have the pitching to challenge it. Can they do it over? I, see, I think this is going to go seven. Um, I do. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Dodgers clinched in six. Um, I would be very shocked if this did not get to six. I'll say that then. This should be yeah. a very exciting series. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'd be very shocked. I mean, it sucks. Part of me doesn't want to watch it and be this salty baseball Braves fan, but honestly, I'm a sports fan. There ain't no way I'm not watching this. I just got to accept it and move on. You know, if it's, I will say this: the only time I've ever been salty enough that I didn't watch a sporting event was after the Falcons lost the 49ers in the NFC Championship. I watched one play of that entire Super Bowl, and that was Jacoby Jones taking that kickoff back. So that's the only time I've been able to be that salty and miss out on the big game. But no, I'm with you. I'm excited to watch this series. It's gonna be a fun one. It's gonna be fun to see the way it plays out. You know, you got the best lineup going up against the best pitching, pretty much. So you have the two best things you want to see right there in baseball. Which one ends up playing out? Well, I know a lot of y'all thought we'd probably lead in with the show on this one. Ben, congratulations on your big win this weekend with Alabama. Ben was texting me at halftime saying he's a little nervous. I told him, calm down, don't worry about it. Tide's got it on, on lock. And, you know, a lot of people look at this as probably UGA's best shot they might be able to beat Bama. Do you think that's true? that was the case there, Ben? I mean, I definitely think coming into the game, um, I think this is Kirby's best defense he's had at Georgia. Um, I, You and I have been saying this for a while now. I'm not sold on Georgia's playmakers um, on offense at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think this is one of the weaker running back groups that they've had in Absolutely. recent years. And not – not talent-wise. I just don't think – I mean, because they're five stars. I just don't think they have shown much. I don't know if that's – the offensive line is supposed to be great. Um, the wide receiver position outside of Pickens, um, Carries Jackson's been great. Um, Burton, uh, Jeremiah Burton, I believe his name is, true freshman, dropped two big passes Man. in that Alabama game. At the end of the day, I don't think you're going to get it done with – you know, Stetson Bennett, that quarterback, I, I would be very shocked if a wa former walk-on fifth-string quarterback can just beat a Saban defense. Mm -hmm. I do want to throw this stat out there, and, you know, I, I told you about this one. So this is through 60 games. Under Kirby Smart, through 60 games, he's 47 wins, 13 losses. 
no national championship, but does have a championship appearance. Mark Rick, through 60 games, was 49 wins and 11 losses. So I think Georgia is going to get another chance at Nick Saban in December or whenever the SEC championship will be played this year. But if he doesn't win this year, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the way I look at it. That game was played in Tuscaloosa with about 20 to 23% capacity full crowd. One of the one of the weaker defenses Saban has ever had, one of the stronger defenses Kirby has had at Georgia. Georgia did not score a single point in the second half. Not a single point. And, you know, if we want to go down the stat hole, Mac Jones obliterated that secondary. The wide receivers were open all night. The offensive line didn't have that many problems, and Najee Harris did his thing. So, best defense in the country, question mark. Alabama had zero problem with it. I do think they get another chance because I expect Georgia to win the East. But if you can't win in Tuscaloosa with no crowd, with your strong point as your defense, when are you going to do it? Hey, I think Georgia needs to start getting some snaps in there for JT Daniels. I really think JT Daniels could provide the dynamic part of the offense that Georgia's missing. You know, like, Georgia had a great opportunity to hop on y'all right out the gate. They got that interception on the 40-yard line first play of the game. I was like, okay, Georgia's in a decent situation here. I mean, Alabama still got the ball back, scored the first time, and you're like, okay, maybe Georgia can get the stops they need here and kind of take this game over. I mean, that defense held well, but it just looks like in the second half that, I mean, even those videos you were sending me that, like, Sarkeesian just kind of sat there and just looked at the game film at halftime, and he figured out exactly what he needed to do to trick Georgia. And, I mean, he got some massive plays. Also, too, I mean, Jalen Waddle, man, looks like – I mean, he's the real deal. I haven't seen a wide receiver with that speed and that ability that he has. I mean, he took that game over with his speed and was a matchup nightmare for Georgia. Nobody on the field wanted to cover him. Also going to say this, too, I would, I'd would i pump the brakes a little bit on this defense being that bad. I really think that Old Miss game was a fluke. I mean, it was a weird game. They moved the time. It was raining. That was the Lane Kiffin Super Bowl kind of game. I mean, they held Texas A&M to 24 points the week before, and we've seen that Texas A&M offense put some numbers up. I personally think that Alabama has a, has a pretty decent defense, but Mac Jones played the part here. I mean, 417 yards, like you said, four touchdowns. They didn't look the least bit bothered. Also, too, I'm pretty sure y'all ran for more yards in that game than Georgia had given up the entire season rushing. So Alabama came out and hit them in the mouth, but I definitely think Georgia lost, missed out on their biggest opportunity. But at the same time, if they can get JT Daniels in there and get this offense a little bit more dynamic, like Bennett's a good quarterback. But he's more of the same thing, you know. He's more of a Jake Fromm. He's more of a he's more of a Jacob Eason. Like he can make plays, but he's not going to make the decisions he needs to put you over the top and help you win a game. You know, he's not going to be able to make those big time plays that are the difference between winning and losing a game, which is what Georgia needs to get over the top and what they've needed for a long time. I think JT Daniels can do that for him. But you know, at the same time, Georgia's season is going to come down to two games: Florida in the SEC championship. If they can figure things out and get this offense running with JT Daniels in there before that time, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to beat Alabama, but they're going to have a good shot at it, and that's what they're going to need to get back in the Final Four. I mean, I think, I mean, going into the game, I told you I was nervous. I mean, I thought, I, I think for what Stetson Bennett showed before the game, I thought Georgia absolutely had a chance. That uh, Okay, so that defense was absolutely elite coming into the game. I knew that Bamba would be able to score. I mean, this mm-hmm. offense throughout an entire game you're not going to stop them on a consistent basis they have two first round wide receivers 
They have, uh, well, he's a sophomore now, but first-year player in John Mechie. He was a five-star. He's looking like every bit of a stud. And then you get Najee Harris, who is probably going to be one of the uh, first running backs taken. And Mac Jones has looked unbelievable all season long. I mean, you know, he's – a lot of people thought he's that type of quarterback that he's he's going to keep you in the game. He's, he's not going to make many mistakes. But i got to tell you what, there is not a single quarterback in the country that throws a better deep ball than that man. And I know that his numbers might be a little skewed because he's throwing an NFL talent. But i got to tell you what, out of all the games – that I've watched so far this season, which is all of them. He is making plays. He is throwing the ball where it needs to be thrown. And he's getting his playmakers, uh, the ball early so that they can make the play. He's incredibly accurate. And you know what? He's, he's doing, he's doing more than I think Sarkeesian and Alabama fans could have wanted from him. So I, I think once they got, that's the best defense George is going to, excuse me, Alabama is going to face all season long. At this point, you, you you can't get too high on yourself. You got to stay level-headed. There's not a better coach in the country in the history of college football to have. I don't think Mac Jones is the type of quarterback that you know is going to see himself in the Heisman race and get wow, like I'm, I'm so hyped up. I think he's I think he's a pretty pretty even keeled guy. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to stop this uh, Bama offense. Maybe until the SEC championship game, if it's if it's Georgia, you know, if it's Florida. I think Bama scored 60 or 70. So I'm looking forward to see if Georgia can get that rematch. It's pretty much a lock in the SEC West right now for Bama. Um, let's see, Auburn's got two losses. Does LSU They're... only have one still? Yes, but, I mean, dude. Well, LSU... that, I mean, that game's – so that game's in Baton Rouge, which I'm not Bama has I mean, owned LSU in Baton Rouge in recent years. I'm not that scared of that game. I mean, Missouri's um, offense it, it should blows with them the entire game. And plus their quarterbacks banged yeah. up, you know? like. And I think Vandy held ground with LSU for a little bit. No, Vandy got blown out. I think it was... It, did, was it, not, okay, it wasn't Vandy then. Um, yeah, Miles Brennan's banged up. I don't really think he's anything that special anyway, but we'll see. I, I mean, Bama's got to stay even keeled, um, especially with the offense, but the defense looks like it, it is improving. You're right, so... We'll see if they can build on that game. That's a massive win. Um, Saban was found dancing in the locker room, which I've never seen him do. The video <laughs> was the video was deleted. I don't know who it was deleted by. And, you know, they asked him about it. He said, listen, like, that's a big win for our program. That's a Absolutely. big win for our guys. I'm happy for them. They wanted me to dance, and I'm going to dance. So I think you would have seen Kirby Smart dancing too, but he can't figure I mean, out Saban. In the last three meetings, Georgia has been winning at halftime in all three of them. It's been the same result. Bama has won all of them. You know, take that what you will. The king is still the king, and his name is King Saban for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I, like I was saying before the season even started, the best thing that could happen to Alabama was missing out on the playoff last year. I mean, they weren't going to beat LSU. Nobody was going to beat LSU. And now Nick Saban's playing the, oh, everyone thinks that we're not the king of the SEC anymore. Everyone thinks we're not this, we're not that. For once, you get to play the chip on your shoulder card for Alabama, which I think is another very scary thing. And, too, you know, Alabama looks like with all these teams that they've just kind of opened it up on them on offense. I mean, even Texas A&M, like, y'all just been opening up your offense and run, throwing the ball and just running up the scores on these teams to remind them who the big dog is and that nobody's messing with daddy in the SEC. So, I mean, this is a, this is a great Alabama team, man. It's going to be fun to watch. 
Another big storyline, though, headed into this week of college football is we finally get the sorry Big Ten back. I'm personally a Big Ten (laughs) hater just because I hated the decision they made to begin with. But we're going to go ahead and give you all our best analysis of what we think about the Big Ten for all this season. Break them down just as we usually do. The Big Ten is divided into two sides, the East and the West. We'll start things out on the Eastern side of the Big Ten. This includes Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, um, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and Rutgers. Um, I mean, y'all probably already know the answer to this one. Ben, who do you think is going to win this side? Ohio State. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know. That was a hard one. I do want, uh, yeah. So before I dive into that, um, Shiano is back at Rutgers. If I, yep. if I'm not mistaken, um, Mel Tucker is now at Michigan State, mm-hmm. and Loxley, who was used to be the Alabama offensive coordinator, is now at Maryland. Um, so those are a couple, you know, head coaching changes that have happened. We'll see how they can do. Um, the big three is obviously Ohio State as the top dog. Um, I would put Penn State as second, and I would put Michigan at third. You know, Ohio State had a couple players come back. They had Sean Wade come back. That's massive. Ryan uh, Ryan Day is the head coach is back. Fields is back. They're going to be explosive. They're, they're going to be the typical Ohio State um, we know as but it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to start. Every team in this conference is going to have to start. Like you, you have to play football from the start. You don't get a mm-hmm. week where you. I mean, because you know, you look at this schedule, right? So Ohio State, you know, starts off to play Nebraska. They'll they'll beat them. Second week, they're playing at Penn State. That's a game that's going to decide uh, the Big Ten East without a doubt. So and it's a night game at Penn State. I mean, that's the hardest so, place to play in college football. So you're going to need, and Fields has the experience, you know, it's just, are they going to have a championship hangover? Every other team has, is in a role. They've only practiced. So we'll see if tackling is an issue like it was for the rest of the teams in week one. They can't really afford that. Um, so we'll see. I think the scheduling is interesting. We can get into that a little bit. Um, Nebraska got absolutely screwed uh, by the Big Ten with their schedule. I mean, I can read. So – you, you can dive into that a little bit because they were complaining. Is that what it was? Yeah, so Nebraska was – remember they made that commercial basically of them kind of making fun of the Big Ten for canceling the season and how they wanted the season to come back. And then also when the vote happened, they leaked the vote before it was even announced officially. So the Big Ten kind of said, F you to Nebraska. You're going to – your two non-conference – or your two uh, games where you cross over with the East are going to be – played against Penn State and Ohio State, and you're going to have to go on the road at Ohio State to start out conference play. So they basically told Nebraska, not only are you not winning winning the um, the West of the Big Ten, but you're actually going to play the hardest schedule, and you're probably going to have a horrible season. Yeah, and so you know they're in the West, so we'll stick with the East for now. Ohio State at Penn State Week 2 is massive. And let's talk about Michigan a little bit. Um, you know – I feel like we say this every year, but it's. I feel like it's time for to put up or shut up with Harbaugh. I don't really know how much longer he's going to get there. I mean, he's yet to beat Ohio State. I don't think he's going to be in favor to beat Ohio State this year with that Michigan team. We'll see, though. Um, I think Ohio State wins this conference. They should be the favorite. They are the favorite, and I still have confidence in them. But week two, we'll see what happens week two. What about you? 
Um, you know, I got to stick with Ohio State here to win the conference. Look, I think Penn State's going to have a good team back. They've got a healthy stable of backs. They got the receivers. Obviously, they don't have K.J. Hamler anymore. It's going to hurt a little bit. But I thought Sean Clifford impressed me a lot last year. I saw a lot of things I liked from him. He's going to be back this year. The defense is going to be missing some people, including Gross Matos, who's their beastly playmaker off the edge. But, you know, I personally think Michigan really doesn't have much of a chance here in this to win this one. I mean, I don't like what they have going on at quarterback. I, don't like, I just don't like much of anything that's happened in the Harbaugh era, era in Michigan. I don't think he's been able to break through still. I think it's going to come down between Ohio State and Penn State in that game they play week two. I still am going to go with Ohio State, but look, everybody's sitting here trying to say, Ohio State's a top four team in the nation already. Ohio State's this, Ohio State's that. Don't get me wrong. I think this is a great team. You got Justin Fields back. You got some playmakers at wide receiver, obviously. You got Master Teague back. But, I mean, Chase Young and Jeff Okuda went two and three in the NFL draft. And, I mean, those are two of the best probably defensive players to walk through those doors in the history of the program. I mean, that's saying a lot. Think of all the guys you had walked through those doors. But, I mean, Chase Young might get, might be the best pass rusher they've ever had, and Okuda's got to be up there at the top three corners they've ever had walk through those doors. You had David Arnett leave. You had a couple other guys leave on the defense. I mean, yeah, you still have Sean Wade back there, but he was your number three corner last year. He wasn't a starter. I think there might be some growing pains for Ohio State. I mean, <clears throat> when I look down down this roster, man, I think there could be a little bit of growing pains here. I don't necessarily think they're better than Alabama. I definitely don't. Let me rephrase that. I definitely don't think they're better than Alabama or Clemson, but I still think this is a really good team, and I think it's their division to lose, and ultimately, I think a lot of this season is being played because of them, so I like Ohio State to, to ultimately win this side and to come out of the Big Ten as the champion. And I believe he's still there, but for Penn State, one of their best players, linebacker number 11, Micah Parsons, um, I believe he's, did he get drafted, or is he still there? No, I think you're right. I think he's still there. Yeah, uh, he'll be a first-round pick. That dude's a stud at linebacker. I just think Ohio State, I mean, until someone knocks them off, I mean, why not pick them, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. It, it's just so hard not to pick them right here, you know? But I agree with you. There could be some growing pains, and that's why I wanted to mention that this season, because they're starting later, they're only uh, – let's see, how many games? One, two – they're only playing eight games as a Big Ten this year, so you really can't have a slip-up. Um, and they get the toughest team they're going to face all year in week two on the road. So, like you said, if they have growing pains, they need to sort them out week one against Nebraska because you can afford them against Nebraska. And that big two is going to be unbelievable. It, if it's not already announced, it will be college game day. So that that atmosphere will be as electric as the Big Ten. I don't know how many fans they're allowing, but it will be as electric as they're allowed to be. Um, and we'll see. Um, Parsons actually opted out and didn't opt back in for the 2020. Did he not season. opt back? Okay, yeah, yeah so he I, never I, I knew he was. In. So that's gonna be a big loss. I think he's. I think he's another linebacker that could be a first round pick. Um, he's one of those athletic, uh, rover to rover, east to west, sideline to sideline linebackers. He's. That's a that's another Penn State defender that they're going to have to replace. You mentioned the defensive end already, um, who's playing very well for Carolina. I believe he just got hurt though. But so that it's another challenge that James Franklin's going to have, and you know James Franklin has had some good teams at Penn State, his and he's beaten Ohio State at least once, I believe. I think they didn't they block a kick or something like that. Yeah, they did. I think Franklin. Yeah, so we'll see. It's it's in his favor that he's going to do it at home, uh, or he has the chance to do it at home. So we'll see if he can t- uh, make the most out of the opportunity. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then just kind of to touch on a little scene that I think's flying under the radar in the conference. Obviously, I don't think they're going to be able to win this side inside of the Big Ten, but I think they can give a teams a little bit more than they want. That would be the Indiana Hoosiers. So their quarterback, Michael Penix, is back, including their three best offensive weapons all return this year. Um, they have 74% of that offense back, 82% of their defense. There's still a lot of question marks about that defense that wasn't very good last year, but you know, this was a very dynamic offense two years ago, and I think Indiana can get a little bit more of that running, and I think they can, uh, you know, give teams a little bit more than they were, a little more than they bit off in some games. What do you think about that one, Ben? You think Indiana can pull, pull together a decent season this year? Love their quarterback, absolutely love him. And and here's the thing, Ohio State, who we just picked as the favorite in a full schedule in the past couple of years, has a slip up game where they almost lose or they do lose. Um, we'll see if one of these teams. I would. You know, Rutgers is a wash. Um, we'll see if one of these teams from the East can give them that scare game other than Penn State or possibly Michigan. You know, I'm looking at Michigan State. I'm looking at Indiana. We'll see what Maryland can do. I, I actually love the coach in Indiana, love the quarterback. Um, I, I they're, a good, they're a decent program. They're good. I mean, the talent is obviously, when they're stepping onto the field with Ohio State, they're obviously mismatched. Um but they, in their own right, for Indiana football, they do have talent. Um, I, I agree. I, I think they are a sleeper team um, out of the East. Uh, I, I think the West, which we can get into, doesn't have like that top, top team. But, it, but it's a little bit more competitive. So this is Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Um, I believe, like you told me, Wisconsin is the slight favorite right now. Minnesota is a tremendous program with P.J. Fleck. Uh, I believe they're getting their top wide receiver who just opted back in, Rasheed Bateman. Rondell Moore is back at Purdue. Um, Northwestern is is, is kind of like Indiana. They're, they're kind of looked at as the smaller guys, but that's a talented coach. That's a, usually a talented program. They're always going to give you their best shot. Um who do you like out of the West? Yes, you know, out of the West, you'd think the trendy pick, the easy pick, would be Wisconsin. I'm going to say not so fast, and I actually feel pretty good about them not winning the West. Look, they have a great defense. They always have a great defense. They don't have the backfield that they've had in the past, and last time I checked, Jonathan Taylor ain't running around back there anymore. Also, their quarterback, Cone, is out for the is out for an extended period of time. He will miss the first couple games, so... Wisconsin's going to start out without their quarterback. And, I mean, they lost one of the best runishers in the history of that school. And that's what Wisconsin does, man, is they crank out running backs and they don't have their guy anymore. So, I think they start out the season behind the eight ball. Um, you know, I looked at I looked at Iowa. I really thought I might take Iowa here. This defense, you know, they're 13th in the nation overall. Only give them 14 points per game. 14 points per game. That's insane for college. But... I still have a lot of question marks that offense can do anything. I mean, they couldn't do anything offensively last year. They got a new starting quarterback. I'm going to go with Minnesota. My reason I'm going to go with Minnesota here is they have young talent on defense. And, you know, they've been 14-3 and three since they've changed the defensive coordinators, I believe it was either two or three seasons ago. So this team has been great ever since making that move. Tanner Morgan, their quarterback, returns again. He was, one of the, he was the nation's most efficient passer last season. And like you said, they have Bateman back. I think they have the best offense in the West. I mean, they're 13th in the nation. In, up, in returning production on offense. I mean, their defense was in the hundreds last year, so their defense is not that great. That's what might be the side of the ball where they struggle on. But ultimately, I think Minnesota is going to come out here and win this side. But, I mean, this side's very much up for grabs. 
Yeah, I mean, this side is very much up for grabs. Um, I actually like Minnesota as well to come out of the West. Uh, like you said, I, I like Morgan. Um, he's an efficient passer. I love uh, Bateman at wide receiver, big athletic target. They are going to have to replace um, Anton is it Anton Whitfield Jr. Is that his first yeah. name? Um, tremendous talent, played safety, but kind of the guy that would come down in the box on the run blitz. He's just kind of a do-it-all kind of guy. They're going to have to replace him. Um, I don't love their defense, but I do love P.J. Fleck. Um, ever Same. since he really ever, – ever since he brought Western Michigan on the scene, all that dude has done is recruit very well for the schools he's at. He's won a lot of ball games. I think he's a tremendous coach to play for. Um, I think his kids love him, love playing for him, and will always show up every single Saturday for him. I think he gets the best out of his players. I think he's a tremendous motivator, and I think he's a good coach. Um, I think he's got the one of the better quarterback wide receiver um, duos in the entire conference, not just the West. Um, I think Rashid Bateman is that good. I think he's up there for one of the better receivers in college football. I think they can lean on him to show up in most of these games. Um and so I'm, I'm also picking Minnesota out of the West. Now, I don't think whoever wins the West will win the Big Ten. I don't. I think whether it's Penn State or Ohio State out of the East, I think those two teams are better overall um, than the West teams. But I do want to see someone challenge Ohio State. So if it's not going to be anyone from the East, I would love for it to be P.J. Fleck. Yeah, I would love to see Fleck come here and win this as well. Look, I think Nebraska is going to have a decent team as well. They got 92% of their offense back. They got Adrian Martinez back, 59% of that defense back. But ultimately, like we said, their schedule is just so brutal for them. So I really don't see a way that they're going to be able to pull through and win here. But, you know, ultimately the Big Ten is going to be fun to watch. Who are you picking for player of the year in this conference? Justin Fields. Uh, I'm going to pick the best player on the best team, uh, specifically at the quarterback position. I think he just is. He just does so much with his legs and with his arm. He's going to have weapons around him. Ryan Day is going to put him. Ryan Day is a tremendous. I don't even know if he's getting credit for calling plays anymore. I don't know if he has, um, you know, handed that off. But Ohio State's always, you know, it just seems like every game they have a touchdown where a guy's wide open just off a tremendous play call. Fields can really just do it all. I'm going to pick the best player from the best team. Hey, um, I think that's not a bad call at all. Um, I'm going to have to match you on that one, Ben. I hate to agree with you on something that could be so broad, but, I mean, if you're not picking Justin Fields here, I don't know what you're doing. Like you said, best player, best team, best play caller. He's got to set up for him there at Ohio State. And on top of that, like we said, he's one of the main reasons we're playing this season out. He's going to do everything he can. Um, next up, let's shift gears here from college football now to the NFL. And, you know, we're getting deeper in the NFL season now. We're, we're down six weeks already on the season. Getting to that week seven point, you know, it's kind of time to see if we're going to buy or sell into what we've seen from these teams so far. Um, what, do you, what, what are you thinking or on these teams we got right here, Ben? Start out here with the Titans. You buy and or sell on the Titans. And, by the way, just wanted to go ahead and um, say this to you guys. Um, we're buying and selling these teams as if they can actually get in the playoffs and make some noise, not if, the, if we're buying them as a playoff team or if we're buying them to have a good record or whatnot. Uh, what was the first team we're starting with? Sorry. We'll start off with your with your uh, Titans, Titans up. 
Titans, yeah, uh, absolutely buying them. They are sitting pretty in the division right now at five and zero. Second place is Indy at four and two. Um, the Titans are, you know, like I said, they're off to a great start. I think as long as you got uh, El Tractorcito, Derek Henry back there, he's always going to give you a chance. I think Tannehill's Tannehill has uh, followed up his career year with another great start. The defense, I, I do like their defense. I think it can improve. Um, I, I'm buying them, but I do want to say that uh, left, I believe he's left tackle, Taylor Lewan just tore his ACL. I think that's a big loss. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was all pro last year. If not, he was damn close to it. He's a tremendous offensive lineman. Um, that's going to be a big loss, but I am buying the Titans. Yeah, I mean, this defense, the numbers are not good, but I think they can still turn things around the defensive side of the ball. I love the way the Titans play. Like you said, you know, losing Lawan is a big deal, but I still buy into the Titans. I mean, this team's a lot similar to the way they played last year. Vrabel showed that his hard-nosed way of playing football wins games in the playoffs. He's going to run the ball down your throat, and if you can't stop Derrick Henry, then he, you're screwed. And even if you can stop him, they're just going to use that play action and throw the ball all over you, kind of like we saw them do against the Bills. Now, if they have A.J. Brown in there, who I think is one of the young emerging wide receivers in the NFL, and Johnny Smith, who looks like one of the young emerging tight ends, and this offense just keeps looking better and better. Tannehill, too, they were comparing his stats to Patrick Mahomes for like his last, basically since he started starting. Some of the best stats in the entire NFL. He looks comfortable, and, you know, Vrabel makes great coaching decisions. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, what I've seen out of the Titans, and I'm buying them as a playoff contender. Next team on here is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'll start us off with this team. Look, I think this team is nasty from head to toe. Chase Claypool, I mean, he was a beast at Notre Dame. They looks like they're getting the most out of him in Pittsburgh. You have a stable of backs where you can just run all over them. Um, I mean, I love every single play the Steelers team plays. They have a great defense, too. They force turnovers. They're going to stuff you. You're not running the ball on them. You can't really throw the ball on them that much because they have DBs who fly around and make plays. I think this team is stacked up from head to toe. And like I said, all offseason, if they get a quarterback in there who can get the ball to all these weapons, they're going to have a great season. I'm buying the Steelers as being a true championship contender. One million percent buying. Not only are they 5-0 and to start the year with Big Ben back, um, like you mentioned, they have found other targets other than Juju Smith with Chase Claypool emerging. I do want to focus on the defense. I talk about how nasty that secondary is and the pass rush with uh, Bud Dupree and TJ Watt. They have a stat that's running on defense right now through five games that is just unbelievable. They have in every single game so far, they have three or more sacks and one interception in every game they've played in right now. Who wants to face that defense? I mean, I'm absolutely buying them. I love the secondary. They fly around the field, like you mentioned. Their pass rush is elite in mm -hmm. every sense of the word elite. I think TJ Watt is one of the best pass rushers in the league. I think Bud Dupree is very good, and I always want to mention that he's in a contract year. Players, you either, you either fold under that pressure or you thrive and you're about to get paid. And through five games, that man's about to get paid. He's done so well um, on the other side of TJ Watt. Minka Fitzpatrick, ever since they added them, that defense is straight up nasty. Um, I'm absolutely buying the Steelers. Hey, love that. Love that pick right there. It's been fun to watch so far this season. What about the Rams? You buying them? No. I think they I think they can get into the playoffs, but I don't think they're gonna make a lot of noise. Um I, 
I'm not sold on Jared Goff. I don't know if I have ever been sold on Jared Goff. And, you know, he has he has games where he's he's looking good, the play action's working. But I don't think they're going to be able to run the football to help him out again when they start to play these really good teams um, in the playoffs. I think they can get to the playoffs, especially with the expanded format. They're not going to win their division. Um, so they're going to have to fight for a wild card team because Seattle is going to win that division. And I just don't see – I don't think Jared Goff is good enough on his own. I really don't. Um, the defense – the defense has big names. I mean, you get Jalen Ramsey at corner. You get Aaron Donald. and They can just wreak havoc on a team. I just – I don't – I don't love their team. I don't think they're as good as they were when they went to the Super Bowl um, offensively. Or really defense. I, I don't think they're as balanced. I really don't. I think at some point they're going to have to lean more on Jared Goff. And I'm not sold on him to just win games on his own just yet. They are off to a good start. They are right now. They are um, uh, they're four and two. I just I'm not a I'm not 100 sold on Jared Goff. So I'm going to sell on the Rams. Yeah, you know, once again, we're going to have to – I'm going to agree with you again. We've agreed on every single one so far. Um, look, they have a great run game. They have one of the best run offenses in the league. Their passing defense has been good, so they've pretty much been able to um, keep their offense on the field and get their defense off the field this season, which has been good. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to have to sell them in the playoffs. Like you said, you know, I don't think Jared Goff can make the plays you need to get to the next round. Um, don't think they have the dynamic playmakers they need in this offense. You know, Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods are good, but they're not the class level you need. Um, I think this team's taking a couple steps back. I honestly think they're low-key kind of in a rebuild, but they're just so well-coached with McVay and everyone. Their linebacking core is not great either. They've still got some holes on that defensive side of the ball. I think the Rams will get to the playoffs. I don't think they'll win a game, though, once they get there. Um, next team, we're going to stay in that uh, NFC West, and we'll put, we'll uh, hit the 49ers here. I'll go ahead and start us off with this one. Look, I love Kyle Shanahan. I love what he does. I mean, I thought that was vintage Kyle Shanahan game with him winning and making the most out of what he had last game. But ultimately, I think they're just way too injured. You already lost Bosa and Solomon Thomas, Ziggy Ansad. You've lost so many guys for the season. I think Ronald Blair's out as well for the season. I mean, it, it, the injuries just keep on piling up. Trent Williams went down that last game as well. I think there's just way too many injuries here for the 49ers. I think they can get to the playoffs, but I don't think they're much of a uh, contender or threat in, to win the NFC this year. And Raheem Moser just got put on the injured reserve list. Uh, that's not looking good. I think. I think the... 49ers end up finishing the season as one of the worst teams in football with the uh, wins wise. They're three and three right now. I'm looking at their schedule. It's gotta be, there's no way any team has a harder schedule than this. So they just beat the Rams next up. They're at new England, then at Seattle home against green Bay, then at new Orleans. That's a four game stretch. I legit think they go. Oh, and four. They go a bye. Then they're at the Rams, Buffalo home against Buffalo home against Washington at Dallas, who stinks, at Arizona, then Seattle to close out the year. That's a gauntlet. That's got to be the hardest schedule in football. I, they have three wins right now. I'd be shocked if they got three more. I don't think they finished more than six wins, to be honest with you. Um, wow. it's, an abs, it's an absolute sell. Uh, I think there's too many. And I don't think they're a bad team. I think mm. too, many, too many injuries, too many key players. I don't think Garoppolo is anything that good. I, mean, I think he's fine. I don't think he's anything that's going to lead this team too many injuries too hard of a schedule 
hard sell. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. When you have a quarterback like Garoppolo, I mean, you got to have somebody like a Russell Wilson to make the most out of these injuries they're having and still win games for you. So I'm in agreement with you on that one. Next up here, we'll go with the Buffalo Bills, and I'll start us off again with this one. Look, I'm going to buy the Bills. That Tuesday game was a horrible spot. They didn't even know if it was going to happen against the Titans until literally the day of. Then on top of that, against Kansas City, you know, it was raining. Josh Allen's receivers dropped tons of passes. They dropped five balls in the first half. Did not do him any favors there. The Bills' defense has not been great. The offense has been putting up numbers, but Anthony Milano and Tredavious White have both not played in the last two games. Those are their two best coverage guys and two of the better coverage guys in the entire NFL. I really think if they throw those guys back in there, it'll fix 80% of their defensive problems because teams really haven't been running the ball on them. It's all been through the air. I mean, they did have Kansas City run the ball on them a decent bit this last game, but up until then, The the weather helped with that. Yeah, up until that game, you know, they had a top six run defense in the entire NFL, so... I just feel like with everything they have going for them right now, this Bills team is going to get back on track, and they're still going to make the football. They're still going to make the playoffs. And I mean, I picked them to go to the AFC Championship game and lose to Kansas City, and I still stand by that. So your boy Josh Allen is 100% out of the MVP race, but I am going to buy the Bills. I think they're somewhat similar to the Tennessee Titans and how they like to play football. I think they want to be the most physical team on the field, and they're going to ground and pound. Um, it's a little easier to do that with Derrick Henry, but I, I do think the Bills win their division, and I do think they can win a playoff game, if not a couple. Um, I like I like Josh Allen. I like watching him play, but he does need to show. I mean, I don't even want to say he wants to. He needs to show more consistency. That game was some of the worst weather Buffalo will play in all year. And Buffalo doesn't usually get that great of weather uh, when it gets later in the season. So, and that was, I mean, they, they've just had short weeks, you know, Tennessee, then uh, turning around against the Chiefs. Chiefs were, you know, they're pissed off. They just lost to the Raiders. I am going to buy the Bills. Um, that pass defense does need to improve. And they were very sloppy against the uh, Chiefs with discipline issues. I think they had at least two or three. Um, uh, 15-yard penalties after the play against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. That can't happen. I, I think that's an easy fix. I do like the Bills, and I am going to buy them. And I do think they win the division. Hey, once again, me and Ben in agreement. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, next team right here, buy or sell on Browns. What are you thinking? Sell. Way too many head cases on this team. I don't think the consistency will be there at the end of the season. But I do like the direction they're heading in. I can't trust Baker. I can't trust OBJ and his diva mentality. At some point, I'm expecting a blow-up to happen. You got Stephen A. Smith um, saying him and Jarvis should demand a trade. I don't understand that. I didn't really listen to his rant. I don't have time for that right now. Um, at some point, I I don't. I, I think the Browns are they're, they're not going to Brown. Like that's not a thing anymore. They are better than doing that. I don't trust Baker Mayfield. Too many turnovers to the quarterback position. Um, I think that'll come into play a little bit later in the season. Um, I don't think, actually, I don't think they have a chance at winning the division, which is going to make it harder because they're fighting for that wild card spot. I think they can get in the playoffs for the first time in forever. I don't think they do any damage. Too many divas, too many head cases. Look, I think Baker Mayfield's going to be the thing that holds them back. They're going to go up against someone who can stuff the run and make him beat them through the air, and it's simply not going to happen. That's exactly what happened when they ran into Pittsburgh. It did not work out for them. I think their defense is nasty, but I just think Baker Mayfield holds them back too much on offense. I think he's a decent quarterback, but 
I mean, he threw a ton of picks like you predicted this last week. I just, I just, like, I mean, you have too many. You, you hit the nail on that. I really can't say it better than Ben did there, so I won't even waste time re- repeating what he said. But I'm out on the Browns as well. Um, next team we got up next is the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm gonna go ahead and start off with this one. Look, I think Indianapolis has lots of good things going for them. They have a great line. They have a great head coach in Frank Wright. They have a great defense. I like everything about the Colts, but one thing, and that is Philip freaking Rivers. Philip Rivers throws tons of interceptions. He's all over the place. You never know what Philip Rivers you're going to get drive to drive or game to game even on that matter. Philip Rivers did most of his damage in his career in garbage time. I'm out on the Indianapolis Colts. I think they might make the playoffs. I think they probably will make the playoffs. I don't think they make it and do any damage though in the playoffs. This is a fringe team. I think they absolutely get in the playoffs. I still think they Um. Do it. How much experience is Philip Rivers postseason games? Do you know off the top of your head? No, but I mean, he played in a good bit when he first went to San Diego and they had LT and everyone. They kept on having like 14 and two years and they would lose to the Colts or the Patriots in the first round. And then obviously the last couple of years as well, but I don't think he had much success in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I can see this Colts team winning a game in the postseason um, or in the playoffs. But um, I don't think they have any chance at like fighting for an AFC championship spot. Um, so I'll, I'll buy them because I think they can win a game. Uh, I do think they'll get into the playoff, but I don't think they're going to do any extensive damage. Yeah, I, I see. I completely agree with you on there on that one. Um, last two teams here. I'll start us off once again here. Chicago Bears uh, is a big-time pretender in my opinion. Look, this defense is good. They haven't been great. Um, the offense has been absolute garbage. I mean, their offense pretty much hasn't done anything all season long. Their numbers reflect it too. I mean, their offense has not put up the numbers you'd expect them to. Um, also as well, I don't know if many of y'all have done this or not, but take a look at the Bears' schedule. They beat the Lions. They beat the Giants. They beat the Falcons. They lost to the Colts. They beat Tampa Bay, which, I mean, was honestly a pretty fluky game. Tampa Bay had lots of injuries. It's just a weird game how everything played out. And they won at Carolina. Only one of those teams they have beaten has a winning record right now. The Bears, honestly, are the biggest pretender in the entire NFL right now. They might be able to make it to the playoffs because, I mean, their schedule looks pretty freaking easy in my opinion. But they're going to get one and done and bounced in the first round. Yeah, I agree. I'm selling them. Uh, I think they can get into the playoffs. I don't think any damage is going to come. You know, I, I think the offense holds them back. I honestly am not a huge fan of Matt Nagy. Um, I don't know how you feel about him. I know that he calls plays and all that good. Um, the defense is great. I mean, but it always is in Chicago. So if they can try and keep teams under the, you know, 20 point mark, I think they have a chance in games. But like you said, most of their wins are against inferior non-playoff teams. Um, I think the Bears are frauds. I'm selling them. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy there to sell on Chicago. Our last team here, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What you doing with them? I mean, it's it's a buy. I think anytime you get Tom Brady, um, uh, he's got so many weapons that he doesn't need to be this great, great guy. Um, but I think he just showed you in a big-time game when they need him to play well uh, against the Packers, he came out to play. Um, he's got enough weapons around him. Ronald Jones has been tremendous. Uh, Mike Evans – is, has been very good, but he is battling that ankle injury. Um, 
they're gonna need him to be healthy. And Chris Godwin has also been hurt. Gronk is starting to get a little bit in rhythm. They still have um, Cameron Brait. Cameron is that his first name? Cameron Brait. Yeah, Cameron Brait. And I think their defense is good. I love their uh, well. Actually, they I was gonna say I love their linebacker duo of Levante uh, David. That's a loss. It's a big loss. There's no reason for me to not believe Tom Brady can still get it done with him, so I am going to buy them. Yeah, I'm going to buy Tampa Bay for now, but I will say this. Losing Levante David and also losing Vita Vea, I mean, those are two huge losses that might start to rack up here on defense. Um, the defense, though, has been really, really good, which is the main reason why I'm buying them to begin with. Their offense has been decent. They're seventh in passing yards, first in the, in the league against the run still. First in yards per play, so they're allowing the least yards per play, and they're seventh in total scoring. So, I mean, this Buccaneers defense, man, is the real deal. And when you have a defense that plays that good, I mean, it's going to be tough to beat them. I personally think Brady's age will show at some point this season. And I think, I mean, like you said, though, he has great weapons that will definitely help him out. But ultimately that defense is what's going to get them as far as they can go. If that defense keeps playing this way, man, it's going to be tough for anyone in this league to beat them. Yeah, I agree. I got nuts. Um, any any uh, parting words, Ben, before we get out of here? Uh, I think Russell Wilson has 1,000% uh, taken the uh, massive lead the P race. I think Aaron Rodgers is out for now with that bad performance. Josh Allen was out. Um, is there anyone else that's challenging him at the moment? I guess Mahomes, but yeah. not really. I haven't really heard his name much. Yeah, not really Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is doing more of the same. Isn't going to get him there after what we've seen him do in the past, I feel like. I agree with you. Russell Wilson's a front runner right now. Luckily, he was my hedge to Josh Allen winning MVP, so... Hopefully, I should get one of those, but I still think it's far from over. It's all about the guy who emerges last that has the biggest chance to win MVP, I feel like, who makes the push at the end of the season, who pushes his team onwards toward the playoffs. So I still think there's a strong possibility someone else can give him a run for his money. But for now, if season ended today, there's no way anyone else would probably even get a vote for first place besides Russell Wilson right there. So all that being said, Ben, I think it's high time we get up out of here. We appreciate you coming on once again, helping us out. Yeah, man. Thanks. Hey, you already know we got bat and a little NBA podcast coming out later this week. And as always on Friday, me and Ben picking all the games for y'all. Biggest matchups will be out on there as well. Appreciate everyone who tuned in once again, listened to us for an hour. We'll see y'all later.